Welcome to The Inner Entrepreneur, a place where soul meets strategy and passion meets profit. Success in business is about more than mastering the external. It's an internal game. Ready to play? Hello and welcome back to The Inner Entrepreneur. I'm Brandon Ward with my co-host, Paul Ryan. Good morning, Brandon. Good to see you again. You as well, sir. Good afternoon for you. Us it being is. on different parts of the world. A cold Excited to be back in it. A cold afternoon, I can tell you. It's cold here too. It was it got well below freezing last night. Oh, so our, wow. our heating system was working hard. So Okay, yeah, well, okay. Yeah, it's pretty cold here as well. But that's winter. Yep. That's right. That's, and like we said, uh, I think we recorded before, we were talking about the seasons. It's nice to enjoy all of them. It so, is. For different reasons. Yes. For different reasons. Absolutely. Well, Paul, I'm excited about today's topic. It's something that's been, <clears throat> it's always been on my mind, and it's something that I've been very passionate about around business and ethics. <clears throat> so today we're going to be talking about the ethics of business. And my aim and our aim together is to, to offer an alternative perspective, I think, to the way a lot of businesses are ran, because ethics are crucial to the, to the way a business is ran and, and how it's going to influence the community, your customers, your team, and all of those things. So I'm very pumped about this topic in this episode. It's when you think of ethics in business. It's just something that's to me is very simple and just makes sense. And uh, it makes me wonder why people do business in an unethical way. What's their, what, what's their motive? Because when I look at ethics in business, I'm going to say it's almost selfish because if you run a business ethically and you engage with your people ethically and you engage your customers ethically, you get loyalty. <laughs> <laughs> you get loyal customers, you get loyal people, which is better for business. So even a selfish individual should go, tell you what, I'm going to run my business ethically because it makes sense. So, but I, I know it's a topic that's been, that, that you're very passionate about, which makes me feel like you've had some experiences of unethical business. Is that your sense that a lot of businesses don't operate ethically? Yeah. And it's, it's, I've had, I have had a lot of experiences working for, to be honest, unethical businesses. Now that's not all the businesses that I've worked for. I have worked for some great companies and, and, and great leaders. So, you know, I don't want to, yeah, if you go look at my LinkedIn profile, that doesn't mean that every company that I have on my LinkedIn They're not profile. They're not mentioned. Yeah, <laughs> no. Yeah. Most probably the, the reality is the ones that are not so good are probably not going to be on there, but I've had experiences working at companies that were unethical from my perspective. I've also engaged with companies that are very unethical from as a customer. Mm. I've had friends that have talked to me about unethical businesses. Mm. We've shared some stories together too. It's it's just, I think, and you mentioned it as well. I love that point you brought up at the top of the show is just the fact that it actually is selfish and you end up doing better in the long run when you run an ethical business. Yeah. The challenge is, is people are penny wise and pound foolish, they have a short sighted vision and that often creates unethical decisions that creates unethical environments. And that leads to failing businesses and lacks in profits and many things that end up happening over time. But to your point, 
people don't realize that. They, they're only thinking about the money or they're only thinking about what they can get now. And I think that short-sighted perspective limits the upside and value and contributions that businesses can offer to a community and to the owners of those businesses financially from a wealth perspective and freedom-wise. Because loyalty, yeah. to your point, is it's for you. It's the biggest, I think it's the biggest difference maker in the times that we've been talking, especially now that we have a bit of a catalog of shows together. That loyalty and that determination that your team has for you as a leader and a business owner is one of the key factors as to why you've been able to create the success that you have. I, I think um, maybe so. Maybe I've said this before. I mean, I, when I look at the people who work for me, what management or staff, um, I make the assumption that none of them actually work for me. No one gets out of bed in the morning and drives into my office to make Paul Ryan rich. Nobody does <laughs> it. It's not what they think of. They get out of bed because they have a, a partner, a wife, husband, whatever. They have a children. They have a mortgage to pay. And they're doing exactly what you and I and almost every human being is doing. Is they're trying to make the best of their life. And part of that life for almost everyone is they need to they need a career and they need to make a living. And so they get out of bed and their motive is, you know, we're going to pay the we're, we're going to pay the mortgage, we're going to take the family on holiday, we're going to that's that's their mo motivation. Um and therefore they look for employment somebody where somewhere. Uh as an employer, you you select that person, you offer you you offer employment um well, you understand, well, at least I understand that that's their motive. Now, if that's their motive, all I need to do is to align my motives with their motives. And that simply, and so that simply means, okay, so, 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 well, well, the first thing in that I think is making sure you employ someone who matches, who, who is a match for you culture wise. And we've spoken about culture in previous episodes. Culture-wise, value-wise, in your business, you, you you're looking for a match, and you're looking for so you're looking for the aptitude match, and you're looking for the skill match. And once you have that, then you're creating an environment. So if if you've got a really really good person that really has the good skill, really has the good attitude, and you really want this person in your business, now you're creating an environment. But you're creating an environment that does two things: you're creating an environment that enables them to support their values and their values is make a good income and provide for the family. So first you're ticking that box. You're ticking that box. You want to hopefully pay them more than they can get somewhere else. I'm not saying you have to pay them crazy money, but if someone is looking through whatever the website is or someone contacts them and they mention a figure, they go, I'm, I'm earning 10% more than that. Do you know what I mean? That, 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 so you never want them, you never want money to be a reason for them to leave. Also, in our organization, everyone, and I don't know whether you're the CEO or whether you're packing vans, you're in a bonus system. If the company does well, you're awarded. So every member, so every member of staff is incentivized for the company to perform well. And as you know, culture is usually important. So we're trying to create a nice environment. So someone comes to a job for me, I, I'm very conscious. This is this is their motive. And I want them going home in an evening, sitting with their partner and going, hey, I'm very well paid in this company. 
it's a nice place. It's a nice place to be. We pay, our, we, we, you know, we pay bonuses to most staff just before the end of the year when we see our results are in. And I want those people going home for their Christmas holidays or whatever and going, you know, it was a great, it, it was a great year in the business. But boom, look at the bonus I got. You know, we're taking the kids to Disneyland or whatever <laughs> it is. But I think on the so so understanding that so. So ethically, then you're going, well, you're treating your people very, very, very well. I've shared stories before with, you know, friends and stuff and uh, of how we treat people in the business. Going, oh, I'd love to come and work for you compared to how they're treated. And I go, it, it makes sense. Those people are doing what they're doing, motivated by how they want to get on in their lives. And all I'm doing is aligning that up. So you get to do this for the business, which, which is good for me. And it works and it works well for you. And when you, when you, th- that creates a win, that creates a win-win. So for me, the ethics of that, uh, so that seems like it's a very ethical way to run the business that you treat people very fairly, you treat them, respect all of these things, but it comes down to good business. It's the first thing. We did a whole lengthy session on, on burnout. And one of the ways to avoid burning out is to have really good people working for you who are highly motivated to run your business for you and make profit for you. And why are they motivated to do that? Because it's in in the nicest possible way, it's in their very best interest to do that. That's as as simple as I can say it. It's interesting though, Paul, because that's what, while not loyal to you, Paul Ryan, the human that has a family and and has created wealth for himself and has the business that you built, they're loyal to the way the CEO, Paul Ryan, runs that business, the way that you understand human psychology mm-hmm. and the needs that we have as humans. Humans are naturally self-interested. Mm-hmm. It's, it's healthy to have interest in yourself and your well-being mm-hmm. and to care for your family. Those are all honorable traits. So to build a business, honoring and aligning with human nature is the ethical component. And the, the byproduct is a loyalty to the way that you run that business. So while they're not loyal to making Paul Ryan rich, they're loyal to themselves, to their family, but you've created that environment that allows them to thrive in a way that aligns both your interest and their interest. And to me, and I love that you said that because that is the ethical way to do it, but it's not that they're loyal to you, Paul Ryan. Mm. It's the structure that you've created, the culture that you've created the leadership style that you carry, that the way that you honor them, the way that you allow them to, to thrive in a situation when they do their job at a high level and yeah. then they're rewarded for that. That to me, but so many people miss on that. They, they don't even recognize first and foremost, you've got to get the human nature part right. People are naturally self-interested. I can't tell you how many mastermind groups that I've been in, Paul, and you've shared some of this too, yes. where people are talking about how bad the people are and all of these things. Yeah. And they're not recognizing first and foremost, human nature, people care about themselves. That's mm. They all must do that. They don't care about us as business owners. They don't. Now, over time, they do. I know yeah, I'm certain that the, the people that have you work work for you care about you because of what you've done for them as an employer though mm-hmm. not because yeah i'm not trying to be necessarily like you or yeah. they're your friend but i I, right? I think you know it's a very good point and loyalty comes as well on an individual basis and i i think i a couple of podcasts back related the story of standing up in front of my staff 
in the early days of COVID in Ireland. And we had some very serious lockdowns here. I think a lot mm -hmm. stricter than you had. So we literally had a situation where we were told business close. So I remember going in and standing in front of my staff, just going to go, don't know what's going on here. Don't know what's ahead. Don't know what's ahead of us. I don't know if we're closed for a day or for a year. I just don't know. I don't know what that means for anyone. And leaving, leaving that staff presentation and going back to my office and getting emails back from people going, Paul, we have your back. I know this is very difficult for you. Whatever you have to do, we have your back. Now, right or wrong, I see that as, as personal loyalty. I see that as people going, this guy is under a lot. This is a really difficult position for him to be in as the leader of this business. And I've been here for 20 years and he's been very good to me. And I'm, I mean, those emails that came to me going, Paul, whatever it takes, we have your back. That's, that, that's huge. So I think loyalty comes just like anyone who treats you, treats you with respect, loyalty, I, maybe the word's not loyalty, but certainly I think a mutual respect develops and they've seen that you have their best interests, best interests in heart and, and in, and they will have your best interest in heart. It, it's just, hu it's just human nature. I, I, I think. Well, and Paul, when I think when you're describing that, I think of not necessarily loyalty per se, but as an honor. You're, when you honor people, when you treat them in an honorable way, mm -hmm. when you honor their work ethic, when you create a business, an environment that allows people to thrive, who are good workers, who work hard, who are dedicated, who are honest, yeah. who tell you the truth, yeah. even though it may be a hard truth. I think yeah. that's having sycophants in your company does not help if you're no. genuine about wanting to grow a great yeah. company. And, and a great company, again, is defined how we define that. Big that could slump. be a $1 million company. It could be a $500,000 company. You could have two staff if you want. Like, there's no Whatever standard. No. Exactly. We've, we've made that very clear, I think, mm. in past episodes, too. I think that's really important, yeah. To define your own version of success mm. as, we, as you want in your company. But, but that's what this is about. And I think that's, again, though, the understanding first, the inner dynamics of human nature, that we are self-interested and that to create an environment where people can thrive. And when you seek good, honorable people and you treat them with honor through your actions, hmm. it's not lip service. <laughs> they, these people don't show up, Paul, because you say nice flowery things. No. They show up no. because you pay them well. They have good yep. benefits. They get bonuses. Yes. If they need something, they're honored. That's, that's yes. it. And so mm. action always speaks louder than words, especially as an entrepreneur. You. It reveals you. It does. Exactly. It shows you who you, it shows your truth. And so I think as entrepreneurs and leaders in your companies, we have to know first and foremost that actions above all define who we are as a leader. And if we say one thing and we don't align with our actions, with what we're saying, trust is broken. And that's actually a piece that we're, we're going to talk a bit about too, is, is trust and how to leverage that component around ethics but I think a couple of things too, because we've we've spoken quite a bit here, and I'm looking about the some of the points that we have here dialed in, is when we run unethical businesses, it affects everyone. It affects our own bottom line, our own financial situation. Mm -hmm. It affects our team members. It affects our customers. It affects our communities. The experiences that I've had, Paul, the bad experiences ripple out. And I think that's why as, as entrepreneurs, the opportunity to create great wealth and build businesses 
It's a huge responsibility, though, because when you mess that up, you can really muck things up for a lot of people. And I think that's why the ethics is such a passionate component for me, because frankly, Paul, I'm sick of people having this incredibly privileged position that often is created. Like when you build a business, that's a responsibility. Maybe privilege isn't the right word, but responsibility that we have is. It is a privilege as well. It is a privilege as well. Yeah. So that's fair to say, right? I, I think it's fair to say. And I think the more privileged you become, the less privileged you realize you are because you look at the privilege you live in and you think it's the norm. You don't look around you and go, do you know, I'm incredibly privileged. So, yeah, you know, it's a first world thing. I'm incredibly privileged to live the way I am, the, the way I live. So I, I do think it is a privilege. That's my But so knowing that, I think we have to, as leaders and entrepreneurs and business owners, we have to understand the responsibility that we hold and the privilege that we hold in those positions, right? And that's why ethics are such a crucial component to to understand at a deep level as an as an owner or leader, because without it, you can easily make things hard for everyone around you. And that's what happens. That's what ends up happening is. When you run an unethical business, when you run a short-sighted business, everyone suffers. And we have some stories we're going to get into to, to share yeah. some examples on, on the poor ethics side of that. But really, I, it leads, I think, around short-term decision-making that erodes profitability and the health of the business over the long run. That's ultimately what ends up coming out of that. But Paul, I'm excited to talk about some of the, I think what we've, we've dialed in here is the four pillars of a business. And well, how they all play together. Yeah, and I, I, I think uh, maybe not not every business has them, but most businesses do. Um, a business will have stakeholders, and that could be if there's partners in the business or a few shareholders in the business. So a business has stakeholders in the business. So if you're CEO of a business, you may have business partners, you may have shareholders in the business. There's stakeholders in the business, whether they're not involved, they're not involved in the business or not the stakeholders in the business. That, that, that's one pillar of a business. And then a business has people, staff, which to me, by the way, is the most important pillar of a business that you have, they, they, they have good people. And then you have your clients, you have no business without the clients. And then you have, certainly in our situation, we have partners and those partners are our supply chain partners because we because we don't manufacture products but we distribute products so so as i'm a ceo and owner of a business i'm looking at those four pillars uh, those four pillars of a business and i engage with each of those i engage with shareholders in the business i engage with the with 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 the people i engage with clients and i engage with with partners with supply <laughs> now as it is at the moment, I very rarely engage with a client d- directly, almost never, people that do that. And I don't really engage with partners directly or very rarely. But I set the tone of how we engage with, the, with those people. And to me, what is the ethics of, uh, of a business r- really mean? Because we're simple people. <laughs> so what does ethics mean? To me, the ethics of our business is how do we engage with all of those people? So maybe not the state stakeholders, maybe is a, is a separate thing. But when you're talking about a business, how do I engage with the people who are employed by me, who are in the business? How do we engage with the clients we have? And how do we engage with the partners we have? So in our business, we just have an 
a kind of a win-win ethos of dealing with everyone around that that table of those pillars. So everyone, and that now we put people at the top, by the way. People are the most important part of the business because I've always believed if you get the people right, then every, then they will look after your customers and they will look after the partners. And um, well, they touch every point of the business, don't they? Your people are the business. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Have you ever gone into a restaurant and met with a disgruntled employee? It's a terrible experience. <laughs> it can be bad. Like that's it's pretty How does quick. That work out. You yeah. know, when someone's having a bad day, it can ruin the entire experience. Yeah. Can I ask you the opposite question? Have you ever gone into to a restaurant you know is a good restaurant, and the food is not great, but you get a server that is just oh. super? How you almost don't even care. It's almost like ah, you know what? Things happen. Yeah. That's that's fine. That's you're yeah. right. It does. It but does. that's people. That's people. Not things. Yeah, that's that, that, that's the, that's the point of making. That's pe- that's people. So if you get uh, if you get the people right, if you get the right people, and if you treat you treat them, treat them right, we can use words like ethics. It sounds fancy. If you treat them right as hu- as human beings, that just like you are trying to get through this life and help them the best, help them best you can. If that, I, I, I don't run a retail business, so I don't run a restaurant dining, but it seems simple to me. If I have staff that I pay well. And they're in a happy environment. They're looked after well. And they feel valued and feel cared for. How will they engage with my people? How sorry? How will they engage with with with, with clients? It, it seems very obvious. Um, we take it all the way around. And uh, I, I remember a story. And this story is maybe about fifteen years old. But so we deal with some global manufacturers who would go come to Ireland and go. Who's going to distribute our product set in Ireland first? And you would partner with it. These could be billion-dollar businesses, but they need someone to distribute their product. So that that's effectively what we do. A few things. One is we only work with a small number of, of partners for two reasons. We want to be important to, to them, and we want them to be important to us. So if I have half a dozen partners, and we get knocks in the door every day from people going, hey, we did distribute our product, will you sell this? Because they know we're a good route into the market. We're very, very loyal. We have a few key partners we deal with. Because if we've only uh, one or two partners in a particular area, we can do lots of business. As opposed to breaking it up, I suppose, we can do lots of business. Um, And when you're doing lots of business with someone, you become very important to (laughs) them. And so they're very important to us as a partner. But we're very important to them. So you've, you, you, so you've create you've you've created this this relationship, and then we tr- we engage. So when we're selling to, hey, I'm in the business of making money. Do not make go me wrong. So what does that mean? That means when I'm selling to a customer, I want to make as much profit as I can. Obviously, and when I'm buying from a supplier, I want to get the best cost I can. That's a given. But that does not mean that I don't treat both both fairly. So. When we're dealing with a partner, all of those people in that change have to make profit out of it, out of a deal, which means whoever's supplying to you, it has to be profitable for them. If it's not, they just won't want to do business with you. It has to be profitable for us or we won't want to do it. And it has to be profitable for, for, for our customers because our customer is taking our product and it's going into a big contracting installation. The, if I if either if I have a customer who always wants to kill us on price and just is only interested in cheap price, I don't want them as a I don't want them as a customer because they're not respecting what we're doing as a business. Except the fact they need value, but they're not respecting that. But likewise, if we have partners 
and we don't and we're not interested in them being profitable. We just want to get the cheapest price off them. That's a one-time affair. You just annoy people. So I think as owner of a business, you've got to support those four those four pillars. But the common sense of it is now you have a now you have cooperation. So you have your staff wanting to want to look after you well, your clients who really enjoy doing business with you because you're a fair, straight operator, and partners. Some of the partners we have that we've been distributing for, we've been working with them for decades. And it I mean, it's it just makes common sense. And then and to some degree, I think ethics is an important conversation, but there's also a question of why why would you do something different? What what would be your and short, I mean, you said it earlier, short-sightedness, I think, is the only reason for doing something different. But it, it, it doesn't make sense. Well, Paul, I think two two things for me that come out as I was listening to you is it's two separate paths. We have the fear-based path, which is a yeah. zero-sum game path, which yeah. is I'm going to dominate the market. I'm going to do whatever I can to get what I need. Because, mm-hmm. again, we are self-interested. But if we don't understand the dynamic that all humans are self-interested. So the other party that you're engaging with is also yeah. looking out for their self. Mm. That's the honorable, respectable path. Mm. The fear-based path says, I'm only going to look out for myself. I don't mm. care the impact that it has on other people. I don't care the impact that it has on my customers, my partners, my team. That's what the way we operate a lot is based on that fear-based mode, the survival of the fittest concepts, a lot of these things that we've heard over our lifetimes. Mm. And there's there's a lot of truth to natural selection and the way way yes. our, our scientific components of our world works and the way we evolve as a species. But what you just described is an elevated way of living, which is based on cooperation and mutual respect. It's a different path. And I think that's, I love the, the way you shared that because that's what we're describing. Ethics comes down to how you're going to operate your business from a perspective of, are you going to be solely self-interested and drive from fear? You're going to create fear in your community. You're going to create fear in your team. You're going to engage with your partners in short-sighted ways, or are you going to operate in an elevated way, which says we're going to mutually respect one another. I understand you want to run a profitable business. I do too. So how can we both win? It's based on mutual respect. So when I think about what you just described, Paul, it's those two paths, that fear-based path versus that respect path. I think, though, when you look at how we've evolved as, 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 human, as human beings, we have survived and dominated the planet. And maybe that's not a good thing, but it's a different conversation. Mm-hmm. But we have survived and thrived as a species because of our ability to cooperate and communicate. That's a simple yeah. thing. If you li- if you lived in a tribe over the, I mean, what human beings on the planet, 250 million years or something, through all of those, well, you know, through all of that time, we survived because of, because of community. We didn't survive solo. In the modern world, it's easier maybe to survive a solo because maybe we feel less dependent day to day on other people. But if you're in tri- if you're in a tribe environment, you survive because you work together as a team. You've got the strongest hunter. You've got the woman, the, the uh, older woman who looks after the children, so the younger women can do work. And you've all of this community that works together, and that and that's how, and that's how it thrives. 
Um, Paul, can I say something real quick though? I just want to say something real quick mm -hmm. because what you just shared is important is in the modern world, it seems like yes. we have all this sovereign power independently because, yeah. but we don't realize that there are truck drivers that move our food yes. back and forth. There are farmers that raise those cows that cultivate the food that yes. get them to the grocery stores. There are clerks at the stores that stock the shelves every day. I was one of them at one yes. point in my life where I was doing the late night shifts. Yeah. So it's it appears that we are independent, but we're not, man. We no. are so interconnected. And so but it's important to recognize that at every point, right? Brandon, isn't that it? We've forgotten it. Yep. I think I mean, I think that's why we're that's why this this concept of ethics is so important because it's not it like you said earlier, it sounds lofty, but it's it's actually very common sense and that yeah. interconnected cooperation has always been a part of our it's evolution and survival as a species. How we yep. Yeah. And 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 I agree, it's a delusion to think it, it, it's a delusion for me to think that I can run a successful business without great people working for me uh, who, whether I'm there or not, are self-motivated to do the very best they can for, for the business. Their motivation is not to make me rich. Their motivation is to do the best lives for themselves. But over a period of time, maybe many years, I'm going to say condition, but they've, they've come to a conclusion that the best thing for me to do at my time, career-wise, is to put my efforts in here because it's a good place to work. I'm treated well. I'm treated as a person, I'm a human, human being, and I get well rewarded. By the way, the more successful I make this company, the more successful I become. It just so happens that it, it benefits me as well, but that's a just so happens as long as you treat people fairly. I think... That's fundamentally how, as a society, we were made to work. And I, I, I wouldn't, as you're talking there, I was thinking a little bit about, you know, I, I'm interested in trading, and I, I won't say trading, sorry, investing in the stock market. And when people find out you're, you're interested in the stock market, they, they like to talk about, do you think there's a recession coming? Do you think there's this and all, all this sort of stuff? And my answer is, well, I don't know. I don't know. Who has it said? Prediction is very difficult, particularly when it comes to the future. So, <laughs> you know, very so, tough. So I, I, I don't know, but what I've learned over the years is that, but the reason, oh, you're not concerned about the microaggression here? I'm going, well, I'm not concerned because my investment horizon is probably a minimum of 15 years, 10, 10 years, absolute minimum, minimum. So I'm not really concerned about the ups and downs, but then you get a horde of people who, who want to trade the markets. It's, but that's the short-term gain. It's the up and down. It's the in and out. And what we know is that 99% of those over the long term lose money. It's almost impossible. But there is that human need for, I don't know what, the, that quick fix. I think it's the same. I think it's the same in business. I take a very long-term view of the business. Our business has been there decades. And the, and the sense with, I, I, I had a, pre, a presentation the last last week in town and I was at it and I was watching, we had about 25 uh, clients there and my manager was speaking and they were talking, thanking them for the business they've, they've done this year. But as the, as she was doing her, her speaking, I was thinking, I was looking around the room, I was thinking at least three of these companies here have been doing business with us for two to three decades. So you're thanking them for last year's business. I'm looking and thinking, thank you for being with me for almost three decades. So um, 
But that's not an accident. No, the partner in the room now they've been acquired by different businesses over the years to the company. <laughs> but the partner, the supplier who was hosting the event in conjunction with us, I'm going to say a relationship that goes back. I can't remember exactly, maybe two decades. So as I'm standing in that room, I'm seeing relationships I've, I've nurtured with, with, with um, partner supplier and with clients reaching back over, over a couple of decades. The really interesting, so there's a really strong bond of trust, loyalty, win-win in, in that situation. And of course, the interesting thing for me is that I'm the owner of the business. I was invited along to the, to, to this event. My manager set the whole thing the, the whole thing up. I have very very little, almost nothing to do now to maintain those relationships. I have other people that maintain those relationships, but there's so much history there. There's so much positive momentum that those relationships are maintained extremely well by other people. Now, if I took an unethical approach to the business, none of that would exist. That room would be empty. Why? Because no customer stays with you 25 years if you rip them off or you don't treat them well. No partner continues doing business with you if you don't respect them. And the team that I have in that room, brilliant people taking care of those customers and partners, those people don't stay with you. So if I had an unethical or greedy approach, I'd be standing. It was actually a a small ship we hired on on the River Liffey. It was a lovely event. I would have been standing in that on my own. But because of how we've done business over the decades, that's the long-term investor. The long-term investor always trumps over the short-term investor. The other thing I say is, with the investing analogy, the long-term investor, if you've invested widely, almost never fails. Over a long period of time, their success is enormous. So if you go into a business and you go, I'm going to have, I'm going to have, you know, good relationships, moral ethical relationship, win-win, trust-based with integrity with all of these people, you're going to really have to mess up to fail. Yeah, you're going to have to work real hard. You're going to have to work hard to mess it up. (laughs) Well, and that that could be probably because you have some kind of bad habit outside of the business, like gambling or drinking or any of these other things that can nuke something like that. I have witnessed that. I have witnessed that as well. Yeah. Same, same. And it's interesting, Paul, because I think when we so when we think about ethics and the way we're talking about it now is the way human nature operates is through cooperation, mutual respect. Yep. That's actually the way we operate. And I think we've been sold a bill of goods, a lie around yes. this survival of the fittest, this fear based way of operating that it's only about the profits and you have to make the profits. Profits keep businesses going. I understand that it's not we don't negate the importance of profitability. Yep. But if you don't do it with a mutual respect component, with an honorable path, mm. which is the ethical path from our perspective, the business will fail. It absolutely will fail. But if you do it in an honorable way, it's almost impossible not to succeed. It really is if you take that long-term path. I heard a, 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 a nuance recently on the survival of the fittest and the speaker said, it's not survival of the fittest. What it means is, what fittest means is the most adaptable. Um, that's it. And that's it. Because at the end of the day, life is in flux. Life has changed. And, if you're in, and as a business or an individual, if you're not learning, I mean, we're obsessive learners. You're not continually learning. and It's true. You're not continually learning and adapting. You, you, you're, you're not, you're not going to grow as a business or as an individual. 
I think when you talk about the fittest, does that mean I have to be fit, fitter than you? I have to, I have to beat you. Adaptability is more as a team of people. Obviously, our business is continually evolving. I remember again, reminded of being in another function many, many years ago, and a business owner came up to me, and I have a good customer, still a good customer of ours, and he mentioned a competitor of ours, and he said to me, Paul, I can see your strategy is to put them out of business. I can see that you're, I can see you're in line to put these, got your, these competitors out of business. And I said, absolutely not. I said, I've no interest in putting them out of the business. I wish them the very best. I said, to be honest with you, I don't think about them much. I, I, don't, give, I don't give them that much thought. I said, why would I? I said, what I do is I look at this business and I run the very, very best business I can. I said, if as a consequence of, I have a consequence of that, that impacts on them and they go out of business. That's on them for not doing. But I will do, I will do nothing negative towards them. That's not my vibe. It's not how I do things. I will run the very best business I can. If if, if they struggle, that's on, that's that's on them. It's not on me. That's just interesting how people think. I I would never focus on harming a competitor. I I will only ever focus on what I what I can do better. That's just seems to make sense to me. Why you know why would I put my energy into into damaging someone else? Put that energy into getting better yourself. Exactly. Well, and that's again, that's the long-term perspective. The short-term, short-term view, fear-based path is yeah. harm. And and I love that you brought up the component of the survival of the fittest because that's also the perspective on evolution that I share. Is it's the and and Darwin himself believed that it was the most adaptable, not yes. the his de- definition of the fittest was the most adaptable. S- species yeah because if if it was the survival of the fittest the dinosaurs would still be around they didn't adapt that's why they went away species that don't adapt don't thrive they don't continue to evolve that's the distinction between humans is that we've evolved and adapted to our environment over time and so i love that you said that because it's a huge misconception about having to to be a blunt force object in the world dominating controlling Mm. There's yeah. this whole idea around, you know, killing your competitors, all yeah. that. It's it's very, I think it's very toxic, obviously. It's based around this sense of lack, isn't it? That it is. No- Scarcity. Yep. Scarcity. That, that there's just not enough. And you made the point earlier of saying, even in this modern world, we can't survive by ourselves. Um, because every component of life we're in cooper- we're in cooperation with with, so- with someone else. Watching it, watching a TV show the other evening. I'm not sure if it's coming from the, in the, in the states called The Gilded Age. I don't know if you've seen it. So it's based hmm. it's based in New York. Um, I'm going to say a hundred years ago when there was a, a massive divide between the extremely wealthy and everyone else who was poor. Mm. Still a divide between the rich and poor, but not to the same not to the same ex- uh, extreme. But the extremely wealthy, in it's how it's portrayed here, is they saw themselves as superior. So if you were wealthy, you were superior, and if you were a servant or something, you were inferior. I, I, I said to my wife, "Is that how people are actually operated? Did you actually look at a servant or someone who was waiting at your table and see them as inferior because 
there's something toxic in that as something toxic in that as well. I mean, every human being has the right to life and every, to me, as humans, all humans are equal. But in our world for the past, I don't know, 100 years, 150 years, we've measured, or longer, we've measured people by their wealth. And so when someone lives in a bigger home, has a bigger car, seems to have more, are they, do they somehow perceive themselves as superior? I suppose if you have that attitude of superiority, then you will look at the people that work for you as inferior. And that leads to a whole thing. If you have a sense of we're all human, we're all human beings. And I think it's actually difficult to find someone, I'm going to say, better or worse than you. What it is easy to find is that, hey, Brandon, you know, I ride a bike. I don't know if you, I don't think you ride a bike. You've never mentioned it. So possibly if I take you out for a ride and I say, let's do a hundred K ride tomorrow. I know you're, you're trying to whoop my butt. Huh? I'm going to whip my butt though. Gonna, <laughs> so, so if how we measure you and I is Paul's superior to Brandon, then you go, do you play football, Paul? No, let's have a game. <laughs> That's exactly. Now you're kicking my ass. So I, I, when I look at anyone, I look at people working for me. I, mean, I always say I employ people who do the job better than I do because it's true. Employ people smarter than me. Um, and if you do that, treat those people well. But if, So maybe that's it. Maybe some people have a sense of superiority. I don't know. But then I, I always think that a sense of superiority only emerges from a sense of inferiority. You have it, it a, does. You have a sense of inferiority and therefore you want to lord it over other people. Um, You're overcompensating, right? You're trying to overcompensate for what you feel inside. I, yeah. You know, it's interesting, Paul, on the other show, my, my Order Within podcast, I had a really brilliant therapist on who focuses on narcissism, like her whole yes, focus I saw the is on narcissism. Yeah. She's great. Chelsea yeah. Brooke Cole, shout out to Chelsea. But the the whole component around narcissism is that they people think they have this huge inflated sense of self. It's actually the opposite. They have yeah. no sense of self. Yeah. And so they try to control and they try to dominate and they try to do all these things because deep inside they feel an, a huge sense of inferiority. So they have to overcompensate for that inferiority. So they mm -hmm. They do that by saying that they're superior, thinking they're superior. So, Paul, I think to your point, that's that's a great thing to bring up because if we as business owners are thinking about ourselves like that or are thinking about our employees, like I'm the business owner and I can't tell. I've worked for people like this. Yeah. I'm the business owner. You do what I say because it's my business and this is how it is and you work for me. Yeah. And there are hierarchies. I'm not trying to say that there's not mm -hmm. hierarchies. There has to be. There has to be order and and you need to have roles and well, people need to do different things. Obviously, yes. Exactly. Responsibilities. But, the, but it doesn't make you superior or inferior. No, someone. exactly. And this is the, it's a great point because this is the, back to the concept of the inner ent entrepreneur. If you don't have that right inside, it's not working the real world. If it's an entrepreneur, you're a narcissist or you lack confidence, you will bring that into your business. Um, you will feel threatened. I don't feel, I look at many people in my business who I think are incredibly talented and in many situations do a much better job than I do. I don't in any way feel threatened by that because, because you know, I, I encourage those people. I acknowledge those people. I go, you're doing, you're, you're doing a super job. You do it so much. Keep it up. Keep it up. Keep it up. <laughs> you win, I win. Um, 
and I'm honest when I go, you're doing a better job than I ever did when I was doing that. That, that That's brilliant. But if you have uh, confidence, I don't even like the word confidence. If you have a sense of peace in yourself, you go, yeah, back to the, back to the story. If I take Brandon cycling, I'm going to look superior. If he takes me into the football pitch, he's going to look superior. So maybe we, maybe hello, we just have different talents, you know. Maybe that's all. That's all. And and that being the case, then I can that I can be comfortable seeing you play football and go, I can't kick a ball that. So, but I don't have resentment. Do you know what I mean? If, in that situation, because I'm going, Brandon has this talent, and I don't have resentment because that's not I, that's not my natural talent. But hey, I have a natural talent over here. I think that's the beauty of life, Paul. That That's is the beauty be- of life that, that we the- all have these different talents and strengths yes. and, and different things to offer. Because if we didn't, how boring would the world be? Let me give you a quick example. Yesterday, we've got to replace the, the fire alarms in our home. And they, one of them, the whole upstairs started going off yesterday. And I'd never had that happen before. I didn't know how to turn it off. I was pushing the buttons and normally that hushes them, but literally there was four of them going off upstairs. It's the most high-pitched, annoying sound. I'm losing yeah, I'm, my mind. I'm just glad we weren't recording at the time. <laughs> yeah, that would have been terrible for us. And yes, it would have been bad. But I wasn't sure, though, because they're also carbon monoxide detectors. Yes, so I knew yeah. it wasn't a fire. Sometimes when you're cooking, you know, smoke yeah. comes up, they go yeah, off. Sure. It wasn't that. But they were all going off. We weren't sure that it wasn't carbon monoxide. So I don't know what to do. I tried everything I know how to do. But we, I get my family out of the house. I call the local fire department. They come. And they check the house with their things. And they're like, look, everything, it's fine. You got a bad thing. You got to replace it. But if I didn't have the community, if I didn't have the help of other individuals mm. who specialize in those yeah, things, their knowledge, yeah. I'm, I'm lost. I'm clueless. Yeah. No clue. We yeah. have no, can we go back in our house? Can we not? What's wrong? The point is, it's good that people are good at things that we're not. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't make us inferior or superior, as you were saying. It just means that we all have strengths and talents. And the more we can cultivate those in ourselves, the more we can find that trust and love within ourselves for who we are and understand what those things are and then bring them to the world, the better it is for everyone in, in companies and in communities and yeah, families course. all around. But the more you can communicate that honestly, I think what it does is it it creates an environment in the business where other people can communicate that honestly. And they, stop, they, they start cooperating with each other and they stop communicating with each other. Or just so that they communicate with each other better and they cooperate. But one of the things I did when I went through a realization many years ago that I was the problem. I, mean, I know we've spoken about this in culture episodes. When I went through the realization that I'm the culture problem here and I have made some decisions, et cetera, that caused a problem in the business. What I did frequently was stood up in front of the staff and said, these were bad decisions. These were bad hires. This has led to this situation. I'm correcting that now, by the way, but how we got here is my fault. How Mm. we got here was bad decisions I made. Now, the reasons I've done that is not to publicly humiliate myself. The reason I've I've done that is to go, hey, no one's perfect. We all make mistakes. We keep keep trying, we learn, we move on. Because if I will in front of all my staff go, oh, that was a terrible decision, and I've learned from that and I'm doing something different, I'm hoping that teams within the company will begin to learn it's okay to mess up. So when you have two departments serving each other, you've got sales, administration, finance, distribution, and they're working with each other. When someone messes up then, 
I want them going, oh, I messed up. Let me fix this. As opposed to, because what often happens in businesses is people won't do that. They'll deny it. And now we have a, now, now we have a problem. So the inner on start pointing fingers. Yes. And you create, and you create this whole, the whole, whole mess. So when you can eliminate that in a company, everything goes so much better. And it really is simplicity. One of my favorite stories is, uh, maybe I told you this before, but when COVID hit, my wife bought me a pair of Bose um, sunglasses. Bose who make the earphones, et cetera. So they make- Oh, you haven't, you haven't told me the story. So Bose have these great sunglasses that are, they're a bone conducting. So you put them on, they look like sunglasses, but you listen to your music in them. The ones, fancy. They're really fancy. About $300 <laughs> for a pair of these, which I think is expensive pairs. So that is, when, yeah. yeah. When it comes to COVID, and I can't meet with people anymore, but it's but it was summertime here, and we had a lovely summer. My my wife presents me with these uh, beautiful sunglasses. It's wonderful because now I'm cycling all the time by myself. I'm not cycling with groups, so I listen to podcasts and music. It was excellent. So now my three hour rides, I, I could go and line up a couple of podcasts or whatever. They they I still have them. They are brilliant. I love them, but they're expensive. I ride with them for about a year. And a problem, I can't even remember what the problem was. A problem occurs with them. But I'm, I'm going, oh, I love these things so much. This is terrible. So anyway, I ring Bose. I have no idea how they're going to respond to, to this call. But I'm going, hey, you know, this problem with them. And they immediately go, no problem, sir. You know, blah, blah, blah. proof of purchase, all the sort of basic stuff. That's cool. They email me. Um, they email me a little docket. Send them back to us. But we're immediately sending a replacement pair to you. I'm going, Brilliant. I'm getting a brand new pair. This is cool. Anyway, that's go. I go into my wife and I've ordered that. She's on Bose and she goes, have you noticed the new Bose sunglasses? And I'm going to know. She look at these. These are obviously the updated versions that are much slinkier, the nicer, but double the battery life. And I'm going, oh, that's really, really interesting. So she goes, you should have, you should have asked them, could you have had those? And I'm going, well, they were good enough to replace them for me. You know, it's like, what, what can I do? Let it slide. The next day, I get a phone call from Bose going, hi, how are you, Mr. Ryan? You had a service call. How happy were you with the service call? And I'm going, 10 out of 10. It was excellent. Immediately, we're going to change them out for you. I said, it was brilliant. Is there anything else we could do for you? And I said, well, <laughs> while I have you there. Did you ask? Did you ask? Did you ask? I said, you know, product number one, two, three, four, whatever it was. That they look great. I would love a pair of those. I would be happy to pay the difference, but is there a possibility that I could get a, a new pair of those instead? She goes, mm. hold a moment, sir. Taps and comes back and says, yes, that's no problem. I'm reaching from her credit card. Go, that's, what's, the, what's the charge difference? She said, no charge. We're sending you out the upgraded pair and there's no extra charge. So I still have them. They're wonderful. So from my faulty sunglasses, I get a brand new pair of the upgraded model. The, the point is, it spoke very, very well of Bose as a company. But the really, really interesting thing to me here is that so, someday they won't work. They're a product. At some stage, they will be old. There'll be a new sexy pair or whatever. Who do you think I'm buying my next pair of? Who am I for buying? For life. Why? I mean, I'm buying. And someone will go, hey, you can get this for $100 cheaper. I'll go, I know, but... But they're expensive, and I know now that if I buy these off bowls and if I have a problem, no problem, sir. We send you a replacement. I mean, I'm not saying I'll never buy a different pair of you know, yeah, bone conducting sunglasses. 
I'm just saying, I'm you. It's going to be a big deal to shift me away from Bose sunglass at this stage. The point to me in that story is how simple is that? And you and I, you and I both know because we've a personal experience where the opposite happens. And mm -hmm. so this the simplicity of that. It's back to the four pillars that we started all the way around. How about you treat your employees that well, like they're a customer that you want for life, and you make sure that they're treated extremely well. How do you think that's going to work out with your, with, with your employee? I know, I'm not saying you can't poach my employees. I'm not saying they'll never leave me. I'm saying I have some employees that I just know if, no matter who get a phone call from, they'll go, I just don't want to leave here. I love working here. I mean, I mean I'm paid well. I just don't, I like being here. I'm part of this family. I don't want to leave. So that's the reward you, you, you get from that. When you deal with your business partners ethically and they know we can trust these people. So when other people go, hey, can we sell your product? They're going, we've been dealing with these people for 15 years. We have a relation. It just works. And the same with clients. We have clients that do business with for decades. So how does it go wrong for you in just going, I'm going to operate honorably and ethically in everything I do with all of these people. And I, we said this at the beginning of the show. You can do it for two reasons. You, I do it because it's my nature, because of how I like to operate. Because when you're doing business with me, you're doing business at the company. But you're doing business with me, the guy. This is how I. This is how I roll. So that's just how I do things. But what I've seen. So I didn't get into this with a great business strategy. I've just realized over the years. This is the way relationships work, possibly because of our heritage, possibly because of how we survive the human beings. But almost everyone is wired to connect that way. Not everyone, but almost everyone is wired to connect that way. And, and if you do business that way, it just makes so much sense. And my experience of it, and probably every experience, everyone's experience of it, is it just makes so much sense in the long run, of course like the stock markets, there'll be ups and downs. But in the long game, it's just going to make so much sense. I can't think of a reason why I would do business. I would do business differently. And I, as I was driving home from my event during the weekend, it happened that I was dropping the representative of the very big multi-billion dollar partner. I was dropping him home because he was on, on the way. And uh, I was driving. Drop, and as I'm driving home, I get near, near his house and he's talking about the business. And he said, Paul, your business is just unique. It's just unique. There's nobody like you. And he had spent, now we supply his product or his company's products. And he spent the evening talking to all our customers. He goes, it's just unique how you, how you, your people are unique and how you deal with your, your clients are unique. And that makes him, so when he's going back to his masters and going, these are the people that represent, he's going, these people are irreplaceable. They're unique. I didn't go to business school. It's not clever. It's common sense. It I is. I risk my case. But it's the interesting thing is, Paul, is it's so uncommon. My experiences yes. with businesses are so bad often. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, we don't even need to get into it because I think we've illustrated the, the yeah. point of because what sparked this whole desire to do this episode was yeah. based on poor experiences I've had. Yeah. A son's friend of yours had a very poor experience That's with a right, company yeah. that he was working yeah. at. It just doesn't make any sense. And I love that. I didn't think that this was going to be a big conversation around hu human nature. Yeah. 
But it is. Because, but it is. Yeah. Because when you run an unethical business, it's because you're going against human nature. And human nature is to cooperate, right. to create win-win situations, yeah. to treat each other with respect, to have a long vision in mind. That's actually yeah. our human nature. Yeah. But when we do things short-sighted, when we only think about ourselves and no one else, yeah. we're only interested in money. We actually end up getting less of that in the long run. And we end up burning bridges. We create fires everywhere we go. We lose customers. We lose great people. Paul, every every business that I interact with that has that short-sighted vision, I'm out. Yes. And you will never get my business again. Yeah. That's the thing. And I'm going to tell everyone that I know, don't go there. <laughs> so it's it's costly and to run a business. What's the like most that. expensive part of your business? Customer acquisition. Getting new customers is the most expensive part of your business. When we get customers, we want them for life. So <clears throat> we're opening a, a new market at the moment, and we're looking at taking a, maybe eight customers from that market on, a, a, into our customer base. But we're looking at what, how that will profit us over the next 18 months, maybe. That's when it'll begin to turn into something that's of value to us. But we're not bringing them in to do one transaction. We're bringing them into a body of customers to expand and keep doing business with us. That is so much. So, so our team are bringing in new customers and then our internal team are minding them so we keep those customers. The expensive part is bringing them in. So, so why mistreat them and have to continually pay for marketing? or like The thing about this conversation is there is no sense to the other side of it. There is no sense to an argument that says, Treat people badly as a business. Treat treat your staff badly. Treat your customers. So many people do it because we've experienced it. But there's zero sense to it. There's, there's zero commercial sense to it that I can see. Unless there's someone smarter would like to come on and tell us difference. But I can't see how it happens. Well, Paul, and it's interesting because not only customers is it more expensive to acquire them. It's also more expensive to hire and train new people over and over. Yes. Retention is far more Price effective, cost effective over time. Yes. So if you're churning and burning not only customers, but team members, that's costing you so it's much crazy. more money. That's why we, Paul, that's why we left our childcare company yes. that we loved. We'd been there for over a year. The owner of that business decided that she was going to create all this friction with her current staff. They all left. And then she dropped new people in as if nothing happened. So we left because one, our daughter knows those teachers. We know those teachers. We know yeah. the programs that they're running. We yeah. know that our, our daughter loves to her friends that are there. That's her and and they she probably loves the teachers. At that age, she loves the teachers. You know, She loves the teachers. Yeah. Well, what we do, yeah. our, luckily our teachers end up starting a new thing. So now we're with them. Yeah. And what we ended up going there and and believe it or not, the, the six or so kids that our daughter is friends with yeah. in her class, they all left too. And we're in her program too now. Right. So they all left. So yeah. you, you turn over your whole staff, but you literally wiped out your customer base effectively. So yeah. that type of churn and burn Bet you is she's so... blaming someone else. Of course. That's, <laughs> and, and, and I think that's a key thing because we're going to wrap the episode here. Yeah. And I think a couple of things that have stood out, Paul, as we've been talking. One, every business starts and ends with the owner and leader of that company. The way you operate that company, 100%. you got to take ownership. Yes. Yeah. Full stop. Full stop. If you don't do that, if so, if you even if you find yourself and you're getting offended by what we're saying, you got to take the time to look in the mirror. You yeah. got to start doing the inner work because Big that's deep. where it all begins. Yeah. 
And and secondly, if you can realize that, that's an incredible thing because it starts and stops with you. But then if you can operate at an honorable level, if you can take the long path, just like that story you shared with Bose, yeah. you they got a customer for life yes. because of the long path. So if you take it's in our human nature to yes. cooperate and treat each other with respect. So it starts with us as leaders. And ethical treatment starts with honoring our human nature, which is we're self-interested. And when we realize that in ourselves and others, we can operate great businesses and have win-win situations all around. That, to me, is how I would define business ethics at a high level. I, I think you've defined it extremely well. And I think that's the essence of it. What I love about this, what I love about all our conversations is that some things never change. If we, if we went back hundred years ago and we had a business show and we had this conversation, it would be true for the people running a business a hundred years ago. If we fast forward 50 years and someone stumbles across this podcast, what we're saying will be true. Why? Because it's in alignment in flow with human nature as it has been for eons. Techniques change, marketing change, products change, but we don't change. And that's why the inner entrepreneur is so important, because this is, this is an eternal truth that will always be true. Well said, Paul. It's the one constant. It's the, it's one, the one constant. constant. Who yep. we are eternal truth. makes the difference. Yeah, who we are. That's a beautiful way to put it, man. That's a beautiful way to put it. Well, I think that's a great stopping point. I'm excited. So Paul, we've got, uh, this is a very fun episode. I'm glad we did it too. I feel like we've, we've kind of hinted at it a while. We've talked a little bit about it, but we do have a few episodes coming up post this for the holidays and getting through the holidays yeah. where we're going to do the values episode that we've we been sure alluding yeah. to quite yeah. yet. Yeah, you we're going to do a, you've got a life planning process that I'm really yeah. excited to learn about. I've, I, I know about it, but I have not learned about it. We're going to do an episode on your life planning process. That. Yeah, 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 which is going to be it's great. It's something I've never spoken about before, but as I began working on it recently towards the end of the year, I thought this might be really interesting for people to see what this whole life planning process is. So I, I, I'm going to explore that with you in conversation and hopefully yeah. we'll get something out of it. So we'll do that, I think, just before the end of the year, maybe. Yep. And then that way it's, it's a great time to, to, to sit with. And, and if you want to learn and leverage it yeah. into the new year, that would be a great time to do it. To that. I think and then we've got a few episodes. We're going to, we're going to button up our culture episode, our culture series. We've done a couple episodes on culture. And then we've also got a leadership episode plan that we're going to work through too. Lots so in the we've pipelines. got, got a good, yeah, got some good stuff in the pipeline yeah. there, finishing out the new year and going into the new year. So we, Really appreciate your time, your ears, your eyes. Absolutely. I want to say, you. if you are enjoying the show, please share it. Share it with a friend. Leave us a rating. We're now on Apple Podcast and Google Podcast, so we're Spotify, on all the platforms. YouTube, we're everywhere. Please like, subscribe, exactly. share, give us a thumbs up, comment, all the things. All good. If you don't like it, tell us why. Give us some feedback. We're open to that too. We're not Absolutely. perfect. That's the whole game here. Absolutely. We're we're growth minded. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Okay, all right, guys. Paul. Well, I appreciate you, brother. Thank you, Brandon. Until next week. Till next week. Thank you for listening to The Inner Entrepreneur. If you found value in our content, please consider liking, sharing, and subscribing. New episodes will be released every Thursday at 5 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. 
We appreciate your attention and take care.